0: Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. Judges chapter 7, verses 9 through 15. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, speaking of Gideon, Arise, get thee down to the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. When God says something's done, it's done. Even though it hadn't happened yet. But if thou fear to go down, go with Purah thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thy hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Pura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. Now, now the Midianites had an army of hundred and thirty-five thousand soldiers, and we will Uh, show you how that Gideon's army had been whittled down to 300. And so there was astronomical odds were against God's man. He goes down to the camp, in verse 12, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children uh, of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as sand by the sea for multitude. And when Gideon was come down, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell. One version says it hit the tent hard knocked it flat, that the tent lay along. And his servant answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For under his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream. And the interpretation thereof he worshiped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. A man told a dream in the enemy's camp, it was the devil's nightmare. I want to preach the devil's nightmare. Precious God, we thank you for the power of your spirit. We pray that the hand of God ministers in this house to everybody. Lord, we pray that we take the devil's nightmare and use it for a cause of celebration in the lovely name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. And so... The story of Gideon is the story of a man who had been so conditioned by the enemy that he winnowed his barley grain in the winepress, hidden from the gaze of the enemies that would camp on the high ground. See, year after year, the Midianites would come. And just at the time of the barley harvest, they would raid the crops And they would trample the fields, and they would gather up all the grain, and they would leave the children of Israel groping in hunger and angry that time after time the enemy swooped in and stole their harvest. I don't know if it bothers you, but it bothers me a whole lot when the enemy steals our harvest. I don't know about you, but it's not enough even if we had somebody pray through in the altar every time we had church. If the grain never gathered on the pew. If the enemy came in like the parable of the sower and the birds and just snatched the seed up every time. Before it even had a chance to become established. That bothers me. Do you know the church is not designed to be a treadmill? I believe the days of harvest are here, but not only the days of harvest, they are the times of in-gathering. I want to appeal to people who want to be a part of something that has a future, plant some roots, have some stickability. If you pray, you'll stay. If you fast, you'll last. Oh, hallelujah. And to those of us that have been around and aren't going anywhere, how many are going to take someone new under your wing and say, in the name of the Lord, I will be a defender of the new and the fragile and the broken and the wounded until they're able to stand on their own two feet. Come on, some. The devil's not going to take our harvest. And so Gideon was challenged by the visitation of an angel, and he called him—he uh, called him a name that, by all intents and purposes, he didn't seem to deserve, and that was he called him a mighty man of valor, and challenged him to be a noble warrior for the Lord. And of course, through a series of tasks and achievements and challenges, Gideon was. was prepared to face the enemy's struggle. And so uh, one of the things that the Lord said in Judges chapter 7 and verse number 2, the Lord said to Gideon, when Gideon mustered up his army, he called for volunteers and whatnot, he got 32,000 men. So he presented this by no means enough to be a serious challenge to 135,000 enemy. But the Lord said to Gideon, In verse number two, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. I know this isn't fun sometimes, but God gets a kick out of stacking the odds in the enemy's favor. And in order to feel challenged by the camps of the Midianites, the Lord told Gideon it's just too many. So he said... Lest Israel boast about themselves against me, saying, My own hand has delivered me. Tell everybody that's fearful and afraid that they can go home. Wow. You may be excused. (laughs) If there was a way to trap people in the church, I probably would have tried it. But I really don't know what we would have ended up with. Probably a bucket of crabs pinching and gnawing and biting and pulling each other down. So look, if you don't want to live for God, here's the deal. You can excuse yourself. But if something has already borne witness in your spirit that without God you don't have a life to live, welcome to the family. Welcome to the celebration. Welcome to the gate of heaven, the house of God. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand, clap of praise today. But he said something interesting. He said, lest Israel boast against me. Let me tell you something. Self-commendation is equivalent to glorying against God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 30 says, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Romans 3 and 27 says this where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of faith. So the next time you're tempted to tell yourself how much you believe in yourself and to look up at God and say, God, I got this, or to take credit for some good thing that happens, even if you did work hard and pray hard and believe with all of your heart, the law of faith excludes us from boasting about our own power and strength and goodness, Why? Why does God get so upset if we compliment ourselves every once in a while? Because on the cross, He said, It's finished. That means it's done. That means if we try to take credit for what God has already done, we're either saying He's incompetent or He told a lie. Somebody shouted, It's done. Victory over the devil is done. He has destroyed the works of the enemy. It's done. Healings and miracles and signs and wonders are done. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. It's done. Oh, hallelujah. So my job is not to glory in me, but to glory in the Lord. Somebody give God some glory in this place. Yes. So then in Gideon's case and sometimes in our case, God has to downsize us. You've been downsized so much you don't know if there's anything left to downsize. We had some bushes around the house and my wife wanted me to pull out of the ground. Well, these things were 20 years old. They had root stocks like that. So I Googled them. said, how much can you cut off this bush and not kill it? They said, you can cut two-thirds of it down. So I measured one-third, two-thirds. I rented me a big old chainsaw from Home Depot, and I just, I just samurai'd them. I just sliced them like bread. Whoa. They looked like nothing but sticks. But you know what? The sticks came back. They didn't steer me wrong. You'd be surprised how much can be chopped off of you. I fear that we have been watered and fertilized so much that all we are is leaves and no fruit. Every once in a while, amen, the vine dresser has to come by and do some pruning. When God cuts us down to size, he's not making us smaller. He's making us a bigger threat to the devil. And don't you forget that. So then God cuts us down sometimes to prepare us for the aftermath of victory. You see, when you won the battle, the war is not over. When you've put Satan under your feet, now the next thing that has to happen is God's got to put you under his feet. Many times people have done great things and been used mightily only to develop a spirit of Pride. And then to be undone by the very success that God brought. Has anyone heard of anyone doing that? God prepare us for success. Hallelujah. If you feel like he's chopping your world down, if it feels like God has shrunk your life, amen, it's only because he's about to use you in such a mighty way. And he wants you to survive the success some, in some people's mind, the word NFL, you know, National Football League, stands for uh, no fun league. What would make them call it the no fun league? Well, there's been legislation in recent years where that uh, players can be uh, flagged by the referee for excessive celebration. We've heard of times when the football players get a touchdown, you know, a little goose stepping is okay, a little something, but if they get too rambunctious, they can actually be flagged for it. One fella, they said, changed the football's diaper after he made a touchdown. I don't know how you show that to people, but maybe he had babies at home and knew the routine. And so that if you get too out of control, they'll put a flag on you and slow you down. I'm going to tell you something. Have you ever been flagged by Jesus Christ for unchristlike conduct? I didn't expect you to shout over that, but you could at least say, "Mm mm-hmm. I just preach about things that happen to me, and I know they happen to you, too. The disciples came back after a rigorous campaign, casting out devils, healing the sick, and they came back rejoicing, and they said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And Jesus threw water on their parade. He said, don't rejoice that spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Well, what does that mean? That means it's, there's, what is subject to us is not near as important as what we are subject to ourselves. See, they got the subject and the objects mixed up. What was Jesus saying? You want something to shout about? Shout about this. It's not your reputation on earth that counts. It's your reputation in heaven. Y'all are somebody, not just down here, but up there. Oh, my God. Come on, hallelujah. God, I want this church to have a reputation in heaven for having authority over spirits over demon possession, over sickness in the name of Jesus, but not so that we could be popular here, so we could meet something there. Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Let me say this. You cannot be too small to be used of God, but you can be too big. You cannot be too weak to be used of God, but you can be too strong. And so they said, those that trembled with fear, go. That's what does what, what trembling with fear means. It means manifested fear. I ask myself today, what do I manifest? Sometimes we think one way and manifest something else did you know there are people that think they love everybody but they treat their neighbor like a pile of dirt You can come to church and manifest to shout or look like you are, but really have a heart full of doubt. Oh, come on. Trembling. Oh, you got to watch. What what makes you tremble? That's what I want. That's what I want to know when I'm on an airplane and the weather's rough. I got my eye on the flight people. It's okay if they sit in their little seat and strap themselves in. I get that. You don't want to be thrown around the cabin. Just as long as your face don't get too pale. Just as long as you're not in a little huddle with your buddy flight attendant with a real serious look on your face or doing something like this. I read this, that getting into Delta's flight attendant training center is more difficult than getting into Harvard University. According to Delta, 150,000 people uh, that applied in 2016, only 1% made the cut. By comparison, the acceptance in Harvard University is 5.2%. And these people are trained to know what to do when nobody else knows what to do. And so the Lord is watching the people that fear so much that it's apparent. You do the same thing. You do it to me, I do it to you. When you meet somebody new, you kind of figure out, you know, are they worth getting a no? It's just little stuff. Little say yeah or uh-uh. Oh my Lord. I don't know about you but I want to come to the I want when I not now that, there's churches on every street corner but I want to come to a place that my soul says yes. Amen. God is in this place and God can do great things in this place. God uh, we want to, what do we manifest oh let us manifest faith in God. Let us manifest heartfelt worship. Let us manifest love and acceptance. Let us manifest. Let's believe in people. You ever been to a church that doesn't believe in people? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith is like a, we need faith. Faith, faith, look, someone said it this way. Faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. So after the crowd was whittled down from 32,000 to 10,000, still too many. And so God took them to the water test. Faith is like a toothbrush. Everyone should have one and use it regularly. But it's not a good idea to use somebody else's. (laughs) Does anybody want faith for yourself today? I like being in the company of people who believe. Yes, I do too. But I've got to have my own faith. Jesus was insistent, What will you have me to do? I want to hear it from you. Oh, hallelujah. And so he took them to the brook, Herod, which means palpitation. So the, those that trembled at fear, they're gone. Now we're going to shake them up again. And he's going to say, I just want everybody to drink. You got 10,000 guys there. you going to just take a drink. And nobody knew. You know, here's the deal about God. You take the test first. You get the lesson afterwards. And so they drank. And the Lord told Gideon, of all of those that came and drank today, only 300 lapped up water like a dog. The others just got on their faces and buried their face in the creek and drank, and we don't want them. Turn to your neighbor and say, you drink like a dog. Turn to somebody else and say, you drink like a dog. Now, turn your face up to heaven and say, Lord, I want to drink like a dog. Well, what's drinking like a dog like? Well, you use your hands like a dog uses tongue. So when it comes to worship, drink like a dog. Some people want to drink like a statue. What are you doing? I'm getting a blessing. Shake somebody. Say, drink like a dog. Use your hands. Use your feet. Use your voice. Put yourself in it. Give it all you got. You'll take out the devil that way. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> okay, so then, okay, he whittles down at 300, and now the Lord's concerned about Gideon's faith. Thank God he was. I would be concerned for him, too. He says, listen, if you're still afraid, I want you to go down to the enemy's camp. In the night, I want you to listen to what they say. And so he sidles up against the tent of a Midianite, And two guys are carrying on a conversation. And so God's gonna show Gideon how to win a victory with your ear. (laughs) Did you know you can fight with your ear? He that hath an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says. Did you know you can be defeated with your ear? That's why the devil spends so much time talking junk to you. And this is how the dream went. We read it. So one fellow says to the other, I had a dream last night that a loaf of bread came rolling, tumbling down the hill. And that loaf of bread crashed into a tent and knocked it flat and hit it hard. And the other one had an interpretation. That is none other than Gideon and the sword of the Lord. And God's going to give Gideon victory over every one of us. And the Bible says, when Gideon heard the dream and the interpretation, he worshipped God. You say, I don't know what's wrong with me. God used to give me words, but he doesn't give me words anymore. It's quiet all the time. Maybe because the last time he gave you a revelation, you just sat there and didn't worship. The next time you get a revelation, worship God. Look at the book of Revelation. Everybody's getting revelation and worshiping God. Trumpets, thunders, shouts, crowns, worshiping Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my God. Somebody worship God for the last time. You got a word. And maybe God will start giving you another and another and another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When was the last time you worshipped when you heard a sinner to begin to say things that made sense in the Spirit of God? These are Midianites. These are Amalekites. These are heathens. I don't listen to what revelation they get. Well, Gideon did, and he said, Ooh, This is the Lord. Can I worship God for what God is doing in the lives of pagans? If God is doing it, I sure can. Lex Friedman has a broadcast. He's a professor at MIT University. You know what he specializes in? The soul, the conscious, the immaterial. Hour upon hour, he talks to scientific experts. Is there an afterlife? Do we have a soul? Is the soul really a substance or is it just an imaginary thing? Hour after hour. Danica Patrick, former race car driver, NASCAR driver, same thing. Consciousness, soul, immortality. Joe Rogan, same thing. Consciousness, soul, immortality. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but it is good for America to begin to contemplate the possibility of life after death. Because if ever you begin to believe that there's life after death, uh, you'll begin to search for a God in the earth. Oh, yes, oh, yes. All right. So let me close with the Midianite summer's dream. That's not Shakespeare. It's the, devil's, it's the devil's nightmare. Here's the devil's nightmare. I saw a loaf of barley bread tumbling. Somebody say rolling. First, first part of the devil's nightmare is when he recognizes the church is on a roll. is steam. He's not worried when we have a good service every once in a while, then revert back to just blah, 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 say. But when we come, when we go out on a Friday, we come back on a Sunday, the house is full, the spirit is moving, the singers are on point, the presence of God is everywhere, that spirit is moving, and it looks like we're on a roll. I, you know what? I, let, I, it's a, call it a prophecy if you want to, but the church is on a roll. We've done got something started that no power in hell is going to be able to stop it in the name of Jesus. We're on a roll, and we're coming after the lost, and we're coming after the disease, and we're coming after the afflicted, and we're coming after the bound in the name of Jesus. Here's the here's second part of a devil's nightmare. Not only is the church on a roll, but it's rolling downhill. It's downhill. It's downhill. Ah. There's something beautiful about hiking when you get to the top of the mountain. There's no more hills to climb. From here on, it's downhill all the rest of the way. Here's the other part of the enemy's nightmare. When the church hits, you better brace yourself because when they hit, they hit hard. Come on, we're not in the business of giving the devil love taps. When we hit, we hit hard. Oh, hallelujah. When we worship, we worship with everything we've got. Ah, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, uh, this, ought to, this ought to get you right here. The last part of the devil's nightmare is the devil defeats the enemy encampment with a barley loaf. Why barley? Because barley was what they stole year after year after year let me tell you something the devil doesn't want you to know you know what's going to defeat hell when God takes the stuff that Satan has stolen from us and beats him over the head with it what have you lost what has been taken from you What has the enemy stolen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, somebody. Watch this. Satan stole our innocence in the Garden of Eden. God gets it back, not with the second Adam, but the last Adam. And so he sends innocence back into the manger, and innocence walks among men, and innocence dies on a cross, and innocence rises from the dead and takes the sin of man with him. Satan tried to steal Jesus' identity, but Jesus came back stronger than before and said, except you believe that I am. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus knew who he was so we can know who we are. So we're going to break into Satan. I want everyone to stand. We're fixing to break into Satan's warehouse. And we're going to take back everything that hell has taken from us. And we're going to whoop him with it. Yeah, kind of like this in the words of Tiger Bet. I want it all back. Come on, somebody. Does anybody feel that way? I want it all back. Now watch this, you may have thought you won the last round, you may have laughed because I almost fell down, maybe you think I give up easy, but it's not over, I got more in me, you thought I stopped, you thought I sat down, but I'm standing and you made me mad now. You got some things I think you owe me. I've come to get back everything that you stole. Cause I want it all back. I said I want it all back. Oh, I'm not done singing yet. You hit me hard. I should been knocked out things I've been through can't even talk about you crossed the line you violated me I want revenge I want everything back from A to Z. I want it all back everything that you took come on God is going to defeat the devil with the things he stole from you If you need a victory, come forward.